This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Tangkaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
Listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia ora, everyone. Welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin in New Zealand. I'm here with Dimple Parmar from Open Road, uh, which is a um, organization for driver training for former refugees. Um, and we're here today to talk about her role in the organization. And um, yeah, basically, we'll be getting to know each other and her life. Kia ora, Dimple. Kia ora. How are you, Arena? Good, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to put a name to the face, to the face, a to the face name. face to the name. Yeah. <laughs> the other way around. Yeah. Um, but I knew yeah. what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. It's been um, a while since I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> it's, it's been frantic emails, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How's your 2023 so far? Well, so far, it's been extremely busy because I've been busy trying to fill the car up with all our clients and juggling to make sure that as many as possible are in the car to start off the year successfully because mm. with what has happened with COVID and with lack of social, well, the, the restrictions around social distancing, running a driving program became quite difficult. Mm. So we've suffered quite a bit in the in, in the sense where We've had people, um, all of some of our volunteers having to step back because they were immunocompromised and of a, a slightly older age, which meant that, you know, it was better for them not to be, um, instructors anymore. And at the same time, um, we just couldn't accommodate that many people. So we didn't have that many volunteers. Um, we didn't have that many learners in the car. So this year, my, biggest aim was to make sure that I f- make the car really busy, mm-hmm. have as many people in there and start the program successfully from January, mm. you know, um, and so it's been busy. Mm. And with um, other people's resolutions as well, like January is like the best time to be having all these. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So VTNZ no doubt is really, really busy and <laughs> they've got some of our clients coming in from, from January onwards. So we've yeah. already had this morning, we've had a pass. So that's like, you know, Yay. yes, you know, we're doing something right. And look, you know, the year started off good. Mm. So busy, but good. I mm. um, really appreciate you b- being here and we can talk about um, Open Road uh, later throughout the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like for us to share about our cultural identities. Sure. Um, connecting cultures is about, you know, getting to know each other and um, celebrating our differences and mm-hmm. similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be your cultural identity? That's a, that's a very interesting question because mine's a, a mixed bag. Um, born in Fiji, raised in Tonga, um, lived my formative life in Tonga, um, and then moved to New Zealand. So it is, you know, to be fair, I identify with all of them. So, you know, now that I am a a Kiwi and have lived in New Zealand for longer than I've lived in any other two places, uh, I, I have an identity that belongs to here and now, but it's well and truly connected with my Tongan culture, 
my Tongan upbringing, even though, you know, I was an Indian growing up in Tonga, mm-hmm. um, having a, a very expatriate sort of lifestyle, and, um, and, and, and whatever I had from Fiji when I was growing up, I was only nine when I left Fiji, so um, remember less, but, you know, that, that is in, that's honed into you, the cultural bits and the, and the identity, because my family's still there, a, a mm-hmm. lot of my cousins are still there, so um, the connectivity is still there, but yeah, so it's, it's a mixed bag of all three. Mm. Um, we'll go one by one with all your <laughs> with all your different cultures. Yep, absolutely. Um, what would you say is um your Fijian culture that that was raised? I I think the the, the correct term is not so much Fijian but mm. more Indo Fijian. So mm. um, it was just an Indian growing up in Fiji. So what I do remember is um how much interaction I had with cousins and families and friends and friends that I still keep in touch with to date. You know, mm. they've moved to Australia and they've moved to, I've got friends all over the world who were from, who, who we were together with in primary school. I'm still very, very good friends with them. So I've got friends in Wellington and I've got friends in Auckland. Mm. So we do get together quite often. So the, the whole um, community lifestyle, you know, where you knew everybody, um, everybody in your in your neighborhood knew each other we played together you know those days where you didn't sit and play in, in front of a video game mm-hmm. but you actually went outside and played outside so you know from the cultural bits from Fiji are, are, are based around that so that's my Fijian based um, inheritance um, honestly did not do very much I don't remember mm-hmm. um, doing too much um, exciting things other than being with family, being with friends, um, playing around and all of that. So mm. that's the Fiji bit. Sounds like a fun childhood, though. It was a great childhood, I have to say. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, we stood back together and um, the last time I, I met up with my girlfriends, we t- we caught up in Australia. So we went to the friend who was living in Melbourne and um, we, we, we recreated what we did when we were little, oh. when we were nine, ten years old, you know, nine years old. Eight, nine, and um, we were playing our version of blackjacks, and so we went and looked for rocks, and, and we did walks and stuff. So it was, it was really good, you know. Um, it still lives with me today. So mm. these are things you can't forget. So it was a good childhood. Yes. Yeah. Um, why did you move to Tonga? Um, I guess quite a few reasons. Um. We're just looking for a better lifestyle and better, better, better future for for us kids. Like mum and dad wanted to have a better future for us. Mum's um, family, though Indian, um, were in Tonga. So my great grandfather moved to Tonga with his children. Um, his son being my grandfather um, in the early 1940s. So they've been there since my mum's family's been there since. Mum was only three months old when she moved permanently to. Tonga. So um, we moved there because there were business opportunities, which my grandfather said, you know, come over and you can venture into. So we decided to, well, not we, as in, you know, me and my brother didn't probably have a say in that. Um, but mum and dad decided and, and off we went. Mm. So yeah, we were in um, Tonga in 82. Mm. 
What was that like as a child, just moving? Um, well, I think, you know, as a child, it's exciting because, mm-hmm. you know, you're migrating and then you, you've been, when we were little, we'd always go to my grandfather for holidays. So we, even though we lived in Fiji, we we holidayed in Tonga and that was the funnest times. So you don't really know what's happening because, you know, when you're nine years old, I think, you know, it's just exciting. And... um so yeah, I started high school in Tonga and made amazing friends and 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 life in Tonga was truly quite amazing. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. The, the friends I made, I learned a new language. I am completely fluent in Tongan. So um yeah, it was it was the best t- best time of my life actually. Yes. Mm. I can say that. How long were you there for? Oh, belying my age, a long time. <laughs> okay, no, we don't need Quite to know. A long time. Uh, my my absolute formative life is Tonga, so mm. um, I can I can literally say it, that's home. Mm. Yeah, I I am at heart a Tongan. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say are traditions that you've adapted being in Tonga? Well, we lived in a Catholic um, Catholic um, suburb, and my mom grew up Catholic. So even though she married a man who was Hindu, and um, practiced because you know that was the expect, expected norm, um, she w- wasn't a, a, a baptized Catholic. But everything else that she did was very Catholic. You know, she read the Rosary. I know the Rosary. So. Um, we we pre- we were sort of like the unofficial Catholics in that area. Um, I won't say too much without making it sound like I know a whole lot more than sometimes I do. So um, you know what I do know is it's the kindest people that um, I have ever been around. And um, when we first moved to Tonga, I can tell you that we'd forget to close our doors at night and nothing would happen. Mm. I mean, technically, I suppose you can't do that anymore. But the the, the friendliness of, of the people, um, our neighbors, um, their cultures, we've, we've begun to adopt, like we appreciate, we understand what they're respecting, um, how and who they respect, you know, what we call whakapapa. So that's, you know, respecting our elders and all of that. So, um, I've learned a lot from that, right? and I've continued that in my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some of my Indian culture I probably have forgotten because I don't practice it anymore. Um, but the Tongan side, I mean, it, it just comes naturally. It's hard to explain, but it just comes quite naturally. It's in you. Yes, it's in me, definitely. Mm. It's running in my bloodstreams. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then from Tonga, mm-hmm. um, how did you end up in New Zealand? Oh, well, I, from Tonga, I came to New Zealand to study. Mm. So I did my um, undergraduate degree here in, in well, not here, in, uh, but in Wellington. So I was an Old Vic student. Um, and what did you study? I studied linguistics and geography. Mm. So um, I got a scholarship from Tonga. So I was able to... Um, do my degree here and then go back and work for the Ministry of Education in Tonga. Mm. So I worked for about four years. There was a bit of a break because I moved to Australia for a bit and then I came back and I um, joined the ministry again mm. and um, worked there until I moved to to New Zealand um, early 2000s. 
And um, yeah, so I've always been, so yeah, and then I joined the Ministry of Education again and I got an opportunity to um, to do a um, teacher training course mm. and it was through um, Christchurch um, College of Education. So it was sort of like a project that was going on, I think, and um, we got the opportunity to do a diploma in teaching through that and I was then... Um, able to go and teach. So I taught in Tonga, so I taught English. Um, also tried to teach geography, but um, there was more opportunity to teach English, so I taught that and did also. So I was part-timing between um, working in the Ministry of Education in the office um, and working a- as a teacher as well. And mm. while we were doing that, there was a project that was run that was called the Tonga Strengthening, Tonga Strengthening, Tonga Education Strengthening Project. And um, the the overseas, well, the coordinators that came from New Zealand um, and who ran workshops in in Tonga, I got along really well with them. And one of them sort of said, "Would offer you a job in Auckland? We've got some opportunities coming." And it was in the um, former refugee area, mm. and there was a pilot project that we're starting then. So. One of um, one of the um, guys who was coming regularly um, to run workshops with teachers and principals in Tonga um, got along really, really well with me, and he offered me a job. So that's how I then ended up in New Zealand. Mm, that's how you settled down. Um, I'm really interested to know why did you study linguistics and geography? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess. I guess it was probably because my exam results had better marks in those um, English and geography subjects. I wanted to do law and, you know, I was, I think I was cruising through high school a bit too much and I was taking it easy too much. And then all of a sudden, you know, you went seventh form and you had to make a decision. I was like, Ooh, what do I do? Um, and I dreamt of becoming a lawyer a long time ago and I thought because everybody was applying for scholarships, so I thought, okay, I should apply for a scholarship as well, just in case I get one. And by the time I went to apply for the law scholarships, it was all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it had closed. No, the, the closing date had, had been and gone. So there was the education scholarships and it was English and geography. So I decided I'll do that instead, you know, because I love being around people. If you haven't already gauged, I love talking too much. Um, <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> I, yeah, my husband would tell you I talk too much. But, um, yeah, no, so it was it was just, I don't know, just chance that I got the scholarship and um, came and did English and Geography, so it was linguistics. In, initially it was English and Geography, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy doing English and thought I – would it wouldn't benefit me if I went back to Tonga and and with that sort of degree? So linguistics was better because if I went into teaching, um, mm. the basics and the basis of linguistics um, equipped me a little bit better. Um, so I moved and changed it to linguistics, mm. and I did those two things, and I quite enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah. It seems that um, linguistics and geography were like a perfect match for you, especially with what you're. Probably. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Geographically, I work with a lot of people from all over the world. Yeah, 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 that's true. Mm. It's kind of 
kind of worked. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. Yeah, things mm. just worked out in yeah. the end. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah. Um, so let it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were in Auckland? Right? I was in Auckland, yeah. yes. Um, how did you end up in Dunedin? <laughs> <laughs> love does funny things, you know, so I moved for love. Yeah, my husband is Dunedin-based, so um, when we were dating, so to speak, um, yeah, he he made it very clear that he wasn't going to come up to Auckland because he was he was happy where he was here. So I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to move down to uh, to Dunedin, and I have, and it's the best move ever. I don't regret it. I love it. How, what do you think about the Dunedin community and, you know? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> like, um, for the first, I have to say, I think for the first couple of years, I did struggle a little bit. I, I, ran, I had a Subway franchise at that stage, so I was flying up to Auckland quite a bit. Um, so it was quite, quite mobile and I wasn't able to make too many friends and I felt at a little bit of a loss because... I seemed to have this one job in Auckland that I had to keep doing because I had to do rosters and I had to do wages and then I'd go and check on the manager every now and then. But then afterwards when we sold um, sold Subway away, I then decided that, you know, I needed to do something. I, I, I had a break. It was nice being a lady of leisure, but after a while it was like, no, I can't do this. So I volunteered. So I found out that there was um, volunteer roles at the Red Cross and it was um, in, on ref, former refugees that were coming in, so helping them settle in Dunedin. So I put up my hand, I trained and became a volunteer with Red Cross. So I um, was, you know, I'd already worked with the former refugee clients here up in Auckland when I was with the Ministry of Education. So this was almost like, you know, next best thing. Mm. I, I know and understand their journey. I I empathize completely with what they've gone through. So, you know, it, it was an extension to the existing role, to the role that I'd already played. Mm. So I volunteered and then there was a job vacancy that was going at Red Cross for the coordinator. So I did relieving. Well, I, I it was a fixed term contract. So I did um i think it was 9 months as a coordinator and then i was given a job with 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 red cross still for a, for a, a couple of months um before the open road program that they were already in in discussions for mm. so once that got confirmed i was kind of moved into um the open road coordinator role and so i had that since um september 2017 mm. what did you learn throughout your experience with red cross and working with former refugees uh, we red cross by heart it's it's an amazing organization the work that it does is exemplary um we worked with former we were still they, they are still working with former refugee clients but th- what they do for them is is it's outstanding you know i learned a lot from them i learned um to be you know to be kind sometimes you know in your own daytime lives and you you forget that the journey people have taken and you can be abrupt and you can be short but you know when you're working with them you do realize very very quickly that everybody's human 
And so I've learned a lot from, from Red Cross. I've learned a lot from working with the refugees. You know, I'm a Kama person. I know how to work with them. I appreciate their culture. I respect their culture. And just being able to work with them, I think I have the ability to come down to that level and, and be able to talk to them at their pace and um, work with them, help as best I can, and not promise more than I can give. So, mm. you know, give what I promise and promise what I give. So, um, yeah, a lot. Mm. Hard to explain. I, I love how your experience um, being a migrant as well mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. Um, developed you into that role. Yes, yeah. yes. I think, you know, as a migrant, you appreciate um, the, the, the complexities of, of the initial settlement. You know, I mean, even though I moved in as a migrant, I came in, I'd already been exposed to New Zealand because I'd been here so many times before. But to settle is a totally different thing, you know. When you're coming in as a as as a as a tourist and on holiday, you're staying with either friends or family. You are not responsible for doing anything, right? You're not paying bills, you're not paying rent, you're not paying anything. You don't know the complexities of of day-to-day life um, and taking buses and bus routes and understanding all of that. So as a migrant, you learn that very, very quickly and you learn that there's challenges every step of the way. Even once you've got a job that is, you know, that you know you're qualified for, that you have, um, you, you know how to do, there are different ways things are done. Because, you know, the way things are done back home are completely different to the way things are done in New Zealand. So having to adapt, having to um, to adjust your way of thinking to meet their way of thinking, it's, 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 it's quite a challenge. But um, And I appreciate that when I deal with my clients. I know exactly the struggles that they're having because I had that and I didn't even have a language problem. Mm. You know, I spoke English fluently I think um I I knew the system and yet I struggled when I was a migrant in the beginning in the early days but these are people who are here not by choice you know they they if 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 they had the choice they would want to be in their own home countries happily but they've had to come away because it's not safe there so the struggles and the challenges they face think they do need someone who will understand they do need to be talking to someone who will appreciate that journey respect that journey and you know hold their hands and say you know what you'll be fine mm-hmm. you you're going to be just fine you know we're here to help so yeah, yeah that's what i aim to do i i like how you said um, you're going to hold your hand, like, mm. you know. Um, I've, I've, I've literally <laughs> held hands. That, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's like saying, you know, you're safe here, you belong mm, here, we're going to help you oh, so you can settle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they know, you know, I mean, if I've helped one family member get their licenses, my God, I am I am targeted. And they see me at the supermarket. Hey, Temple, Temple, um, can you help the young girl? Can you have the young daughter? And I'm thinking, no, hang on, you know, I've got to prioritize everybody. I've got to. But yeah, it's it's amazing that, um, that 
they know you already, you know. Once you're working with one member of the family, the entire family knows yeah. you. So, <laughs> and my family, they're usually yeah. big families. Yes, yeah. yes indeed. And and, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I even met a client this, this afternoon um, when I was walking past farmers. And I heard someone say my name and I'm thinking, what's that? What's that? And it was one of the clients I helped a long time ago. Oh. But, you know, they still remember. So yeah. it's like I've done, you know, through my mentors, I've done something right. So mm. it's it's very fruitful. And I'm really excited to talk about um, Open Road with you. Um, yes. Seems like there's um, so much going on that uh, we need to share that. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, um, let's go on a song break. Yes. You brought a song for us from the movie Dil... Derek Nido. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us a bit about the song before we start? I Well, it, this is... It's a, it's a great movie, I think. Um, you know, my taste in movies will totally differ from everybody's. And because you put me on the spot, yeah. I'm going to blame you because you said, give me some songs. And I just actually drew an absolute blank. I thought, oh, God, I don't know songs. I know I know songs, like hundreds of them that would have been appropriate. And, you know, I don't know what sort of songs should go on the radio and when. <laughs> and So I had to very, very quickly do homework and I swear I had an absolute mental block so this that a song is simply because I find that the energy in it is quite um positive and um fun and it makes me want to dance so it is just happy sounds like the perfect song yeah so so it was it was a positive song so Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of dancing happening in the actual video clip I don't know if you saw it yeah um but there's a lot of dancing happening and then it you know it's 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 just fun yeah oh that's perfect for this so uh this show so I really appreciate you bringing it to me I Um, hope everybody else listening will enjoy it too they'll definitely enjoy it um so we'll be right back after the song break मैं डालू ताल पे भंगड़ा तू भी गिद्दा पाले चले रंग जमा दे हमके बने सभी मत वाले Yeah. 
हेलो हेलो दिल दिल से कनेक्ट करना येलो येलो ये बातें डायरेक्ट करना Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. Annyeonghaseyo. Assalamu alaikum. And kia ora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. And you're back on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and I'm here with Temple. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you for that song. Um, really enjoyed it and okay. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. I hope so too. <laughs> I hope some danced a little and, you know, jiggled a little bit. Yeah, no, it was a great song. Yeah. Um, so during the first part of the show, we talked about your life story and... Um, Yeah, it's just really beautiful to see how your personal life affected um, all the professional <laughs> things that happened to you afterwards. Led to, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> um, 
Now, let's talk about Open Road, mm-hmm. which is the organization you work for. So Open Road is not the organization. I work actually for HMS Trust, which is oh. Hamilton Multicultural Services Trust, which was the original contract holder um, for the Open Road program. So Open Road is the program. It's Open Road Driver Training Program. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's funded through um, HMS Trust, which gets its funding from MB for this particular program. So I, yes, I run this mm, in Dunedin. What's your role? My role is the coordinator. And um, yeah, so I'm the Dunedin-based coordinator. There are 11 um, locations that this program is running throughout New Zealand. So um, if I say Auckland West, Auckland South, um Hamilton, Palmerston North, Wellington, Nelson, Ashburton, Timaru at this stage, Dunedin, Invercargill. Have I missed something? That's just 10. There is another um, service centre which obviously I have not mentioned. Did you say Dunedin? I did say Dunedin. <laughs> I know I did. But um, throughout maybe when I remember, because yep. I've forgotten, Palmerston North, Nelson. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, so I'm the Dunedin-based coordinator. Um, we we work on the basis of recruiting volunteers and we train the volunteers to become mentors. So we don't call the people volunteering on our program volunteers. We call them driving mentors. Mm. So the driving mentors, their job is to help um, learner drivers and we only – we are contracted to only work with, funded to only work with former refugee clients. So our mentors help the former refugee clients to attain their licenses. So be it a restricted license or their full licenses, and we help them through their conversion as well. So conversion to a full. So it is expected that learner drivers come to us already with their learner licenses and with at least some level of English because, as you'd appreciate, our mentors are volunteers. They're not professional driving instructors. And then if they have to if they have to work with someone who has no driving skill, no driving ability, and very little um, English as well, it's a, it's a big ask to get the volunteers to work on all of that. Mm. So what we'd ideally like um, is to get learner drivers who've got some level of, of, of driving, you know, who have actually driven a little bit because that's what we expect. Well, we hope that the community is doing that. One, one person in the family gets their licenses, that they're actually helping others within the family or within the community to drive so that, you know, then you've given them a start and then we can, we can finish the job properly. But when we get learner drivers applying, and there's a lot of learner drivers who are applying who have got very little English and absolutely no driving, it makes our job and it makes the job of the volunteer that much harder and often not safe because the the biggest the, the most important thing for the program is to make sure that we keep our volunteers and everybody else on the road safe. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why we sometimes are quite selective in in choosing who we take and who we don't take, um, mm-hmm. simply for safety reasons and because we want this um, mentor journey to be a, a happy journey, to be a journey that 
they enjoy. We don't want a volunteer to come in and hate that experience. We want them to enjoy it. And we have. We've got volunteers who absolutely love it. So they've gone from client to client to client. Mm. So, you know, I mean, we must be doing something right. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's what we're doing. And we've helped a lot of people. We've helped a lot of women. And I can now see these very successfully, very confident women driving cars that are, you know, six-seater cars. It's, mm. it's, it's not easy to park a six-seater car. And yet they're doing it. Mm. So, you know, I can say that Open Road has actually helped them achieve that confidence, has taught them the skills to park on a pin. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're doing, we're doing something right. Yeah. Something good. And uh, with the migrant refugee, uh, sorry, um, former refugee, former refugee mm-hmm. um, demographics, some of them are from uh, countries where women are not expected to drive or can't drive yes that's true we're we're not expected to drive because their husbands drove their brothers drove and they just got driven around and when they've come to New Zealand they have had to adapt to the New Zealand lifestyle so the husbands have had to go and get themselves a job so while they're the main driver in the house they've gone to work and so mum is the one left um, taking the children to the school, taking, um, going for shopping trips to the supermarket, going to doctor's appointments. And if she's not able to drive, she's also very stuck at home. Mm-hmm. So this program actually helps them um, get the, the, the community network happening. You know, a lot of our women clients have now easily gone and, and gone to their friend's place to have a cup of tea while oh. the children are at school, some of them are even getting jobs, which, which, which is fantastic because often to get a job, you need a license. Mm. So we are equipping them and we're making them, you know, settle better in Dunedin, especially now because we are concentrating and talking about Dunedin. So, you know, we've produced independent, confident women and it helps in their settlement. It's, 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 um, it's one step you know, closer to making them feel that they are at home. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Independency is so important. It is. It is. In this day and age, it definitely is very important. And it's good because, you know, you've you've got that, that hope that you are able to do things, you know. A lot of them would have initially thought, oh, what am I going to do? I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to be able to do anything. But the minute you've got your driver's license, the doors open, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they, they they have this very positive outlook for life, so, you know, to deal with everything that comes their way. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. This program is doing a very, very good job. It's even helped the men, you know. Some of the men, because of their level of English, have not succeeded in, in, in passing the driving test, mm-hmm. Um and they've done done it on their own. They're good drivers. They've gone and booked their test on their own because they've they're confident in their own driving. But the testing skills are different. So we're teaching them to drive properly and to drive using the right skills. And then those skills that the um, testing on testing day, the VTNZ testing officer is actually looking for. So, you know, we've had clients who came to us after failing um, twice 
on their own. So they've come and, you know, they they look quite dejected and they, mm. there's like, you know, can please help. Mm. And then when, when we've helped and when they've passed, it's like, you know, this, this entire cloud of, cloud of burden just disappears. I met the one client yesterday, actually, who is exactly what, what I'm talking about. Um, he came to us, he sat with us, even with us, he sat twice but um, he failed both times for small things. But in his case, English was also a very, very, um, his English was low. So he, he wasn't able to understand enough. And, you know, Kiwis have a tendency of speaking quite fast. Mm. So he, he, he just didn't understand and made a few mistakes. It's not to say that they didn't make mistakes. They did. Um, and when he did get his license, it, he was the happiest man ever. I saw him yesterday. He looked like a happy person. <laughs> he actually looked like a happy person. I said to him, because every time before that, before he got his license, he just looked grumpy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said to him yesterday, I said, you look happy. You actually just, you know. The, Glowing. It is, it, yeah. I mean, want for a better word, exactly. Mm. So, and, and, and most of our learner drivers, they're, they're driving on their learner licenses, you know. I mean, we can't govern that. Um, we can't stop that. We can't police it. Um, but but there's a need. They know they have to drive. So th they've got no choice, you know. So what we are also doing is making sure that they drive legally. Mm. So, you know, we're doing amazing things for them. And this program, I truly believe in this program. I truly believe that what we are doing is helping the communities that have come here. Mm. And, um, yeah. Getting a driver's license is really good. Very yeah. important, actually. Mm. And the young ones are now beginning to apply as well because realistically they're, they've gone into the school system and the next thing will be to find part-time and holiday jobs. And most of it will require for them to not be just going next door so they can walk to it. Most of it will require them to take a car to go to work because the public's, uh, um, public public transport system is not very good yeah so you know taking three four buses if you're working at the supermarket and you finished at 11 o'clock at night finding a bus is sometimes hard mm -hmm. so yeah getting a driver's license definitely definitely helps mm. i've when i heard about open road i just thought oh my god i'm so glad this exists <laughs> i didn't even think about how much we needed it but it exists oh. so i'm really happy you know the need is is real yeah the need is great yeah we still get applications um flowing in very very regularly and we've got more applicants than we have volunteers so we can't cater for the demand mm. but we're trying our best um, a lot of people have applied for a long time and they keep texting and saying when do I start when do I start mm. like I've applied a long time ago but my hands are tied because I depend on volunteers and what we're doing is what we call a rolling intake so we can't bring more people in until those in the car pass their tests and finish from the program. Because, mm. And we won't abandon anybody just because they fail a test. Yeah. So we've had clients who failed a test, but we don't abandon them. So we do keep them on. We do you know, go over the mistakes they have made, teach them a little bit more, give them more time behind the wheel, and then sit for another test and, 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 and say goodbye to them once they've actually achieved their licenses. So it's probably a little bit um, frustrating for people waiting mm. because they have been waiting for a long time, and I appreciate that. But 
sometimes it's really, really hard when you're relying on volunteers. And at this stage, that's our biggest problem. Mm. Yeah. So you need more driving mentors? Oh, we're crying out for more driving mentors, yes. Um, yeah, we definitely do need more mentors. There's never a time we don't need. Even when we have a car full, we still do need. Because, mm. you know, every now and then all the mentors will need a break. So yeah. those who have been in, in the program, I've got one mentor of mine, all, all of my mentors really who have been in the program for a long time, they haven't taken a break. And and I shudder to think what will happen to the program if they did decide to take a break, you mm. know. And um, I've got one mentor who is going to take a six-week holiday, and I'm thinking, no, what am I going to do for those six weeks? You know, I need to find new mentors um, soon so mm. that they're trained and they're in the car and we can we can somehow cope yeah. without the mentor going away on leave. So mentors are always um, definitely a need in, in, in this program. And it's not hard to become a mentor. All you need is um, to have your New Zealand driver's license, um, have had your New Zealand driver's license for two years, a full New Zealand license, that is. Um, have a good, clean police record, as in no driving incidences either. Um, have compassion and empathy to help and patience. That's all that's required. You know, we just need someone who is going to be friendly and patient while they're sitting next to someone who's already very nervous that they're behind a wheel yeah. and driving on the road. But we also offer training. So we have um, training with the with our professional driving instructor. He's accredited. So the the driving instructor takes them on a session to teach how to teach, mm. um, assess the driving um, the driving ability of the mentor. Then we have um, peer mentoring. So we've got our existing mentors who offer help, you mm. know. So if you're a brand new mentor coming in, we offer you to sit down in the car with um, another mentor and shadow mm. just so that you're aware of what actually happens in, in the car and how it's done how the interaction looks like, and um, away you go. Mm. And also at the same time, the ability to have cultural empathy and, yeah. and respect the the cultural differences that we have. Like, you know, in our case, with, with a female um, client from, from the Islamic religion, we want to be able to place them with a female um, mentor, but they're hard to come by. So if we have a male mentor, they do understand the limitations and restrictions and they respect. Mm -hmm. And we've had amazing outcomes of, of our women drivers passing and they've had male teachers and it's gone really, really well. So mm -hmm. yeah, a little bit of empathy and a little bit of time, two hours a week is all we ask for. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the, expect, the expectation is that we have two one-hour sessions a week. Yeah. And um, that, and a little bit of help from the driving instructor at, at regular intervals, so you're not left thinking, you know, am I doing this right or am I not? We always have regular checks to monitor the progress of the learner driver before we actually get as far as booking them for a test. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, this is a call out for our listeners out there. Um, yes, please. Yeah. Um, so if 
anyone is interested to be a driving mentor, how would they contact you? So if they could, um, yeah, there's Facebook information and you, otherwise you could call me on 0275-764-743. Woohoo, I got the number right. <laughs> I I always, you know, forget what the number is. I had yeah. to close my eyes to do this, but yeah. I sometimes so write. I with my, was yeah. looking at this pamphlet that doesn't have my number, and I've got my card in my pocket for this specific reason, yeah. and yet I forget. But now the number is correct. Please call me. Yeah. You want to repeat the number again for our listeners? Oh two seven five seven six four seven four three. Achieved something today. Yay. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Devo. Thank um, you. I really hope that, you know, you'll find the mentors that that's listening and, you know, mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know what? I, I, I truly, like I say, I truly do believe in our program. I think what we're doing is amazing. And I am so proud of my volunteers, the volunteers I have. Truly, I can tell you they're the best volunteers one could ever have, you know. I didn't have the volunteers that I have today, our program would not be um, as successful as it is. Like the absolute kudos goes to my mentors. And um, hey, we have got amazing learner drivers in the car as well. So um, go team. Mm, I really appreciate you being here and um, such a cool program. It I'm is. really happy um, that, you know, people get to listen and hear more about it. Um, yeah. And, one day we'll catch up again um, and we'll see how things go for you this year. Yeah, that would be great. That yeah. would be lovely. Yes. Maybe you, next you can talk to a mentor. Yes. And, and see what their experience yeah, is like. Because it will be so different. It we, would be. Mm. It would be. They'll probably tell me I'm, 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 I'm annoying them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Dimple. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.